again and welcome to Confidence Covered by Humility, where we explore what it means to lead our businesses, our teams, and our homes with humble confidence. Now, in just a moment, you're going to hear a conversation with today's incredible guest, Bill Kasky. Before we get started, I'm just going to ask you to do something. I would highly recommend that you bookmark this podcast because I believe after listening to this, you're going to want to go back and listen to it again because I am literally speaking with one of the most trusted sales coaches in America. You might want to grab that notebook here because Bill is going to drop some incredible wisdom and more than one truth bomb about what it takes to succeed in business. Bill's a sales development leader and experimenter who has been improving B2B sales teams and executives since 1990. His philosophies and strategies have fueled explosive growth in sales and profits for his clients. Bill's passionate about sharing his ideas about selling, business, life, money, and meaning. He's the author of The Same Game New Rules, Rewire the Sales Mind, and The Sales Playbook, to name a few. He also co-hosts two podcasts, the Advanced Selling Podcast, which is a weekly podcast uh, counseling sales forces and leaders who seek to improve their business, and also the Bill Kasky Podcast, which I had the distinct honor to be on here recently as well, uh, which is a deeper dive into achievement. Now, it might surprise you to know that Bill didn't naturally excel at sales. He wasn't always good at sales. In fact, Bill recalls his early struggles as a sales professional and even considered getting out of sales altogether. Well, I appreciate the the intro there. Yeah, I that's a, a true story. I didn't know what I was doing in sales in my 20s, and I had some pretty bad habits in my 20s anyway, which uh, we can talk about later if you wish. But I was really struggling and I didn't get any help. There was really no mentoring at that time. There was no coaching and it was no training about the psychology of selling. It was all features and benefits and product things. And I worked for a Caterpillar dealer and I went to Peoria, which is where corporate headquarters are. I would go over there a couple of times a year for training, but it was a lot of drinking and eating. It wasn't a whole lot of training and we get in the room and we'd all be hung over. It's like, it was a, it really wasn't very helpful. Bill brings up an important part about how most companies approach sales, where they put so much emphasis and focus on the quotas and the calls, but they never really address the mindset uh, of the salesperson or the mindset behind sales. Never any psychological stuff. And that was my major in college of psychology and communications media. And I always thought there's got to be a better way for the sales thing to happen. So I got into it and, uh, you know, I started studying kind of the underpinnings of sales, not the how do I shake hands and how do I tie my wins or not, not that kind of stuff. It was more what's really happening underneath the surface between buyer and seller and between seller and seller. What's really happening in my mind? Why are these calls so difficult? Why am I reluctant to ask for money? Why, you know, all those questions. And so I started to make it a study because I realized pretty quickly that not a lot of salespeople had had any training back then. And even today, it's rare that I come across a company that is training their team and coaching their team on these kinds of things. They're still, you know, trying to teach people how to do Zoom calls. And to me, it's a whole lot deeper than that, which we can get into. Now, in this next clip, Bill breaks down the mistakes that sales professionals make that put the buyer at odds. He shares the value of getting to know your customer's needs, and he poses this important question. 
Is that really how people want to be sold to? I just had a guy come to me, started in one of my programs. He just joined his account, uh, this account that I work with, corporate account. And that's a, a lot of my business is corporate work. And then some as individual people come to me and I put them into groups. But this guy just started and he had this five page overview of, of all the questions he was going to ask in the, in the interaction with customers. And I started looking at it. It was just, it just, it gave me a headache. And finally I said, John, this is giving me a headache. Well, what are you talking about? You know, this is how we were trained at Xerox. And all. I said, look, you've got to make a connection with another human being. There's got to be, you, you have to have your mind and heart and soul in helping another human being and creating that environment where they can tell you their problems because this is just a bunch of transactions. It's, it's like an interrogation. And until you establish that kind of rapport, and it's not just rapport like, hey, nice tie. I like the fish on the wall. Did you catch that? It's more, uh, you know, who is this human being I'm sitting across from and, and who am I and, and how is this going to work? And is it possible that there's nothing here? Is it possible or something? And those kinds of questions have totally changed salespeople's approach. And you can throw away, you can throw away the five page thing. You still have to keep the questions. You need to know what to ask, but I think selling is a whole lot deeper game than what we've all given credit for. And I think there's a lot of trainers out there who are misleading people thinking that it's all about the clothes. It's all about the, you know, it's all about the juice and how many calls you're making and how, how many pitches and presentations. And I'm thinking, is that the way people want to be sold to? Is that really, if, if they knew what to say, and they do know what the salesperson is doing, but is that, is that really going to help you close more sales? And of course it's not. And yet some of the things that we teach, which we can get into are difficult. It's, it's not like just reading a book and going to teach it, you know, I've been in recovery for 30 years from alcoholism. From I, I was, like I said earlier, in my 20s, I was a out of control wild man, and I finally, at age 30, 30, 37 years, I guess, 30, said I can't do this anymore. But guess what? I've learned a lot in that program through recovery, through rehabilitation, through reading psychology. I mean, I've learned a lot about the human psyche that has it has a a, a place in the sales process that you can't just read a book and learn. So I just think that, like you said, a lot of that's beneath the surface and, and it's uh, sometimes hard to get to, but we got to get to it because that's really the difference between you making a hundred grand a year and a million a year. It's all inside. I was reminded of this old saying that people don't like to be sold to, but they love to buy. Now you just heard Bill talk about going from 100,000 to 1 million in volume. I wanted to learn more about his philosophy of going from what he calls mediocre to excellent. Meme number two here is, <laughs> is the meme of if if you want to make more money, solve bigger problems. Hmm. And so if you're going to go from, let's just use our little thing there, 100K to a million, and some of you are going to say, well, there's no way I can make a million. My income is capped or the I just don't have enough. Okay. But let's just say you want to significantly improve your income. One way to think about it is, well, I've got to change the nature of the problems I solve for customers. Because if you saw, if you solve a $50,000 problem and they're willing to pay a quarter of a million dollars for it, you make 10%. That's 25 grand. You solve a million dollar problem and they pay five for it. You've just quadrupled, quintupled your income. And I know that those numbers don't match every uh, 
member of your audience, but just think about if I want to make more money, I've got to solve bigger problems. The nature of the problems I solve may be bigger. Uh, They may be bigger companies, but not necessarily. Sometimes I feel like we think, well, if we want to make more money, we've got to call on larger businesses. No, you have to be better at finding the economic problems at small businesses. And if you're good at that, you will get paid more because they will pay more for your solution because they know the value of it because you've helped them identify what's the economic impact of doing nothing. I asked Bill about his take on the value of having confidence that's covered by humility in sales. And I shared a little saying that my friend Rob taught me several years ago, get comfortable with being unqualified. Isn't that humility though? I mean, isn't, isn't there a a little humility wrapped up and you know what? I don't know everything. Maybe the way I've been doing this is not optimal. Mm. Um, Maybe I go to training, not so I can, they can confirm everything I'm doing is right, but maybe I'll go to training and coaching to learn something new that I don't know. That's a, that's a whole lot of humility. I don't think it's possible for you to learn if you're not somewhat humble about, I don't know it all. Um, and, and I'm, I'll yield to you on that because you're the, you're the expert on that, but it seems like there's just built in humility with wanting to get better. Well, I, you know, people who listen to this podcast frequently are going to hear me say, it's like, we know exactly what happens if we're overconfident. In other words, we don't have the humility component. We don't think we need to ask for help. We think we have it figured out. And that just kind of closes us off to that learning opportunity. And listen, I think you and I could probably sit here for the rest of the day and just swap stories about things that you thought you knew. Uh, or things that you learned that you needed to unlearn later. Isn't that, I mean, that's just so true. That's the human experience right there. It is. I mean, think about the 1950s. They used to run TV ads for cigarettes saying that they were health healthy. They were actually helping your fitness and lungs. And, you know, and, and people believed them. And now I think there was habitual addictions too, but we believed it. As, and we look back for 80 years, we say, God, were we dumb? No, we were just overwhelmed with media that gave us a message. So we were very moldable and shapeable. But I think we still are today with better messages, hopefully, than that. You know, this is a problem uh, that I hear from a lot of sales professionals that their leaders are not helping them take the right steps and get the right mindset. The, the mindset is one of, it's all about the numbers, it's all about the Benjamins, it's all about the, the metrics and how many calls did you make, and it's all about money, it's all about customer acquisition. Nothing about the individual salesperson's psych, psychological well-being. And yet we all know deep down that that matters. I mean, if you, if you build the confidence of one of your salespeople, they're probably going to sell more you're going to make more. So why don't we spend more time on building confidence? No, we're going to spend more time on checking your work to see if you're making the calls. And that has the opposite effect on that confidence. It has the opposite effect. Yeah. yeah. And it's a blind spot. It's it's a blind spot for leaders and sales managers. And uh, one, one of the greatest sales leaders I ever worked with, a guy that worked at Serona Dental, they make uh, machines for dental offices. His name was Mike Williamson. I think he's still around. I haven't talked to him in a while. He retired. He he would get in a room with his five to seven regional managers. He was a VP of sales of a $300 million company. And he would say, well, you know, we got this thing, got this new product. What do you guys think we ought to do? You like that? Do you, do you want to do that? Why don't you do that? And it was just like a big conversation and people left those rooms just fired up versus I need 25 units from you. I need you to make 100,000 cold calls this month. I want four presentations by this. 
it was it was totally different because he treated people like human beings and adults and they responded accordingly with inspiration and motivation and they always made their numbers and he was like dearly loved now he had sometimes he had to be tough but but they were willing to accept the toughness um so the question though that you ask is how do i if i'm a if i'm a contributor deflect that uh desperation if it's coming from the sales manager is very difficult because they in many ways control you they control your behavior they control your check your your income and uh if you if you have someone who is not willing to change you may have to leave Hey everyone, this is James, and I want you to be the first to know that I've just launched a brand new free email course called the Five Day Founder Bootcamp to Creating a Thriving Corporate Culture. Now, whether you're a founder that's tried everything and for some reason it just hasn't worked, or if you want to uncover the secrets that will reignite your high performing teams, the Thriving Culture Guide has everything you need to use your culture as a competitive advantage and bring back the good old days. This free guide contains some of the absolute best tactics and strategies for creating a thriving culture in your workplace. For example, the topic for day four is the one simple phrase that most organizations get dead wrong and founders have the voice to fix right now. Whether you're a founder or not, maybe you're a leader in a company, I designed this guide for you. And you wanna know the best part? You don't even have to wait for day four. You don't have to wait at all. This entire boot camp was built to go at the pace that you want. So instead of having to wait five days for the whole thing to drip in, well, you can just click right on through and get it all today if that's what you want to do. So just go to thrivingcultureguide.com. Once again, thrivingcultureguide.com and ask for it today. So, so let's go into this spot. If I am a buyer and um, I'm a potential, a potential potential buyer, let's say it that way, and you come to me and you are feeling the pressure of those numbers, so you come in with this desperation, I got to close James today. If I don't hit this, like I could lose my job. This is, you know, like I'm not going to make it. What am I experiencing then as the buyer? What's the vibe I'm getting from you? Well, the vibe that the salesperson is sending is one of fear and anxiety. So let's just, let's call it what it is. It's I'm selling from a place of panic, fear, and anxiety. So all my actions are going to be, I may think I'm hiding, I'm hiding the real essence and the real truth, but I, but you're not, you're just not. I mean, this notion that, you know, I'm desperate, I need to, I need to close this or my family's going to leave me. Oh no, but they didn't see that when I was in front of them. No, they, they didn't see. I was totally confident. No, you were either overconfident, which it turns people off, or uh, you were giving the vibe off. I mean, how many times have you met a friend for dinner or lunch or something, and then you left like, something's going on with James. I wonder, yeah. Oh, sometimes I'll drive by a house and it'll be, it used to be just well-kept and all of a sudden the weeds are everywhere. I'm like, something's going on there. It's that instinct and buyers have that instinct. And when they have that instinct, they are much less likely to share the truth with you because they don't know what you're going to do with it. And they don't know if there's any kind of, any kind of, uh, manipulation at the end of the line. If, if you ask questions and interrogate and don't keep them okay and they, and they clam up, um, 
you're not going to make the sale. Yeah, you're you're putting off a vibe that is isn't attractive at all. It's it's repelling. In fact, is is how I'm hearing what you're saying. Yeah. It yeah. is. Yeah, it is. And so what we do when we don't make that sale is what's the sales leader say? You got to sell harder. You got to go back in and sell hard. Go back in and sell harder. You know, discount. And it's like, no, stop. Stop with the insane behavior. That's not the problem. The problem is we never created the environment that made it okay for the person to buy because your people were all afraid. And if you can't, if you leaders, and I'm, I'm going to be a little adamant about this because yeah. this may show up somewhere and I may have to just deny it. Uh, <laughs> you leaders had better get this into your brain that sales today is a different game because here's what's going to happen. You're going to lose good people. And you've probably already seen it. 70% of people that you lose leave because of you. They leave because of the manager, not you, but the manager. So this idea, well, he, he left because, you know, he found a better opportunity somewhere else. Okay, maybe. But if you were really good, he or she would not have left. They would have said, look, I've got this thing. Is there any way we can make this work, boss? I don't want to leave. I love this company. I love this culture. But they're not. you're not getting that call. You're getting the call that says, I'm out. Mm-hmm. So you leaders had better had better check yourself and make sure that you are being the leader that people love to work for so you can be tough but you also have to be inspirational. It's never been more important than now to work on building up your personal brand. And that's true whether you're self-employed or if you work for a larger company. Establishing your brand helps potential buyers get to know you. And in this next segment, Bill lays out his philosophy and steps for building your personal brand. I I do a lot of work around personal brand. And it's my belief that if you're in business-to-business sales today, that you need to build your personal brand. I'm not talking about having a logo and, you know, photo shoot and stuff like that, but you need to be creating content. You need to be building a reputation online, not offline, but online, mm-hmm. um, where people can reach out. You're, you're doing that, James. I'm doing that. You know, you have a show, you have a, a visibility online so that when people call you and want to work with you, they don't have to search, well, who is this dude? They've heard you, they've seen you, they've they've consumed you and experienced the digital you. And I think every salesperson should do that. And trying to get that done, and you know, it's it's a 1090 thing. You go into a group of 20 people, two of them are gonna say, Hell yeah, I'm on it. I and one guy I had like a month ago, he started a podcast in three days. While everybody else is sitting around, well, I wonder what my album art should be and who would I interview it. He just started it. And he had two interviews. He's set. He's doing one a week. But that's the kind of person I love to work with is is somebody who says, hey, let's give it a go, man. Let's try it. But if you're in that mode of, well, you know, I, I wouldn't have the confidence. I've never done a podcast before. It's like, well, nobody has, James. I mean, you were a photography guy, but you'd never shot a video show before. You've never done a pod. At some point, you had to start. Yeah. So, like, I believe right now, that every salesperson needs to be need need to be producing content. Everyone need to be doing something on LinkedIn or YouTube or something. And I have so much conviction of that because I've seen it work. I've seen how it changes people. I've seen how it changes their income. But until and and so I'm out there harping on this message every day, but until someone does it and tries it, 
they will they, they it'll always be me versus them it'll always be me trying to oh here's Kasky again trying to get me to build my personal brand i mean how many times can i tell him that i don't want to do that and then i think well here's a guy who's done it and he just i just posted something the other day a guy retired a multimillionaire. why because he started a podcast because i told him to start a podcast 10 years ago he started it he grew it the he his company got bought uh, this massive company heard his podcast and wanted to buy and they had 1700 locations I mean, it just went like that and then there's some people say eh, I don't really want to start a podcast and I'm not saying that the podcast is the thing but it's the idea that you will take something that you're not qualified to do which I love that quote and try it and and become qualified and get good at it and then you look back and say man, I wish I'd have done that 10 years ago when podcasting began. Now, I'm curious about how other coaches work with their clients in situations where the client's confidence is a little shaky or they have some limiting beliefs. So I asked Bill, how do you approach that? You know, the word confidence has a cousin and that's conviction. And sometimes I look at someone who, especially in today's world where it's easy to get canceled if you don't say just the right thing and there's 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 uh, consequences for for doing something that maybe is not in the orthodoxy, and you see it all the time. And sometimes I think, man, those people have a lot of confidence. And then I think, and I heard a guy talking about this. He said, you know, maybe it's just they have a lot of conviction, and they really believe in what their what their values are, and they really they they have written it down, and they've thought through it, and they've written about it, and they are just convinced that this is right doesn't mean it's right but they they have convictions and i think sometimes that can masquerade as confidence i'm interested to know what you think about that you know i i look at uh robert j robert f kennedy jr in the political landscape you know what when you hear him speak he has a lot of confidence in his positions i don't know if they're right or not they may be they may not be this is not the judge of that but he's done enough writing and research and study that when he when he makes a point, he makes a point and has seven sub bullets and three sub bullets under that. I mean, he's really a good communicator, other than his the, the voice thing he has. But he is uh, he's a very he has conviction. The world of sales is filled with pressure to hit goals. I wanted to understand from a sales coach's perspective what happens when a salesperson feels that pressure and that pressure starts to build and it becomes in the form of stress, and it leads to what I would call a desperation mindset. I think you're so right that there is a fine line to walk on these things because if I am convicted on something, I have been wrong before, right? right? And, and it could be fact, I'm talking about factually wrong about something, or I believed this was the best approach to do. <laughs> and And then you get really humbled by it because somebody shows you, like the mistakes you're making because you didn't get the results you wanted or they show you a better way and you're like, oh my, had I known that years ago, I could have been so much better. And I could so, have been a contender. Yeah, right, exactly. And so, you know, I think about that. I, I hired a sales coach a few years ago because one of the hugest mistakes that I made as as being in business for myself is not understanding and not fully applying and embracing this whole thing that I'm in sales I've never had an official sales role before where I had a book of business and a quoted a hit and somebody held me accountable to it. However, I've owned a number of my own businesses before, and I just never made that connection until a few years ago because my checkbook was reflecting it. My bank account was reflecting the things I didn't know. 
So what I didn't know was, was hurting me. All right. I mean, that, that whole cliche we talk about is what you don't know won't, won't hurt you or whatever. It, it, that's BS. That's not true. It does hurt you. Yes, it does. And so having a system, having somebody, you know, to pour into you and tell you like, hey, yeah. here's the shortcut. This, yeah, that to me is how I see the difference. It's kind of like, what was the saying that it was a Yogi Bear, a lot of things attributed to Yogi Bear that you probably never said, but uh, it's not what we know, it's what we think we know that just ain't so, Yeah, that's our problem. And so we think we know this, but do we? And and who taught us this? Was it our grand, grandparent, an uncle, a, a failing first sales manager? Who taught us that this was the right way to sell in this case? And I find that most people were not taught by winners. They were taught by people who came up in the 50s and 60s and they passed that knowledge down and knowledge down. And people today are selling the exact same way that your grandfather sold. They would never admit it, but some of the words and the language and the manipulation and the and the clever, you know, kind of the getcha, you know, the gotcha statements. And I think, oh my God, we've got a whole generation of people to retrain because it's just passed on knowledge from generation to generation. Here we wake up today and we think we're really clever, but when we shoot a video, we're saying the exact same thing our grandfather would have said. And is that really the where we are today? I'll run into this a lot with people I'm working with is that they think they need to get a certificate. They've got to take yeah. a class. They've got to, so if I want to start a podcast, well, I let me go download two or three people's, you know, get a certificate and do these online courses on how to do a podcast. And then they still don't do it. Right. So how, right. how do you coach through that? Because it's not that it it's in the way I just wrote down here, I wrote down mindset it, or whatever you want to call that inner game mindset, mental, your mental and emotional well-being. It's always that that's always where I start. So I've got a, a lady named Tammy who's with a, a client of mine and she really wants to be good. And she came up through operations. Now she's in sales and she's just a delightful young lady, Italian, pretty, just, but she struggles. She struggles and she struggles because her mindset is still around. What do I need to say to convince them to buy from me? That's all, everything that she does is wrapped around that concept. And that's from old training that think about it. I mean, that's, that's really, that's the question. What do I need to say? And what do I need to do to get somebody to buy from me is the foundation of all sales training. And my foundation is no, that's, that's not the right question to ask. The right question is how can I create the environment with another human being so we can decide together whether there's anything here, whether there's any partnership here, how do I create that environment? The key word is environment. And so once she started to think, okay, I'm going to stop this need to sell and start the need just to create the right environment. And everybody thinks they do this well. Very few people do. Very few people are are excellent. Psychotherapists are pretty good at it usually. Um, you'll hear somebody interviewed on a podcast who's who's really good at it. You're you're look you're like what what is there about that guy or that lady that's really good? It's because they set the stage. They create the environment. Once she started doing that. Now, we had to change her mind, her mindset around what's your role in the sales process. It's not to sell stuff. It's to create the environment, create the environment between two people. Everything changed for her. She was getting invited into more meetings. She was selling more. She was going to the presentation step quicker because she just, she stopped doing the old sales garbage and started doing the new, more modern approach, which is creating environments for good things to happen. 
I wanted to ask Bill one final question about some content, some of the writing that I saw on his website, specifically on his About Us page. So here, kind of the last place I wanted to explore with you yeah. today was something that I read on your website. It's it's on billkasky.com slash about. So, so I would encourage all of you to go check this out. I love Bill, I, I don't know if you created this or your team, but, but the content there is really great. But here's what you write. Uh, and in fact, I was so surprised about how open you were about this journey. But you write, long before the wildly successful podcast and the books used by hundreds of sales teams, there was a scared, self-conscious young man who was starved for approval. I was so self-consumed, there was no way I could hear the prospect. And I know you go on to explain it, but man, that's, that's talking about being vulnerable right there. What did that... What did that teach you? How did you overcome that? Well, I don't know if you ever overcome some of that either. Now, I didn't have any trauma in my early life. I, you know, a lot of people I hear, they have stories of, whoa, like, wow, I'm surprised you're alive. I wasn't in jail. Well, actually, it was one night, but I wasn't, I didn't serve time in the state pen. I didn't have trauma and, you know, harassment and assault. It, it was, it was all mind trauma. It was all, who am I? What place do I hold in this world? And as I got older and started to research and study this, I realized that I would always have fear as long as I felt like the world revolved around me. Was I going to make the sale, get the deal, get invited in, not get rejected? And so all of my fear was all about it, it it surfaced when the process was all about me. Once I got me out of it, and you hear a lot of people in the Buddhist, you know, get yourself out of your life and like, what are you talking about? Yeah, because yourself only provides problems. Your ego is not your friend in sales. It might get you out of bed in the morning, might get you to the gym every day, but once it serves its purpose of getting you out of bed, it's 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 not helping you. So when you go into a sales process and your ego is taking control. It's all about you. And that's when the fear and anxiety show up. If you get yourself out of it and say, look, Mr. Prospect, James, I'm here to help you. There may be a fit. There may not. I'd like to hear what you're working on and I'll tell you what we're doing and let's see if there's anything we can do together. If there is great, if there's not great. Well, that's coming from spirit. It's coming from the the heart of a helper and you will sell more that way than you will with your ego. The problem is getting the ego out is not easy. You might need coaching for that because sometimes if you try to do it on your own, it, it might even get worse sometimes. People are always in this state of transition, right? And this is why I love that phrase that my, my friend Rob taught me about being unqualified. But there's three I words that I believe really start to factor into this. Inexperience, insecurity, and immaturity. All right. Those, those are the things that we have to learn how to overcome. The, the inexperience, the only way you get experience is by doing. Uh, the insecurity is that, that doubt that we have. I believe the only way that we can really truly move through that is it comes from help from others who, who will invest in us. And then the immaturity part is also kind of like that. Somebody has to point out, hey, you've got some growth to do in this area. You, you are, are still doing things that you thought worked here and it right. got you here, but it isn't right. going to help you stay here. And I think those three words are how, like, yeah. that's how you've got to overcome those to break free from the ego thing. That's how I get out of the way. It's it's like surrender, diminish, whatever the word is. And those are words yeah. that 
honestly, I don't really like, but I no. I understand their importance too. But the word surrender is is one of those that I, I I'm learning to love that word. Although I'm like you, kind of a you know masculine dude and surrender. What the hell are you talking about? Right. But it frees you up, and when you are freed up, guess what happens to your effectiveness? It goes through the roof or roof. It goes it goes much higher. So we think that surrender is a point of weakness. It's really a point of tremendous strength because your position when you're when you've surrendered, like what do I got to lose? Who cares? If he buys, he buys. If he doesn't, it's all gonna work out. At some point I'm gonna turn to dust, so is he. I mean, if we can make this work, great, but I'm not gonna lose any sleep over it. And yet we get so consumed with the deal and the terms and Sometimes it's better just say, look, if you if you don't want to buy from me, don't buy from me. Don't go somewhere else. And that surrender causes people to stop in their tracks and say, wait a minute. Why is he telling me to go somewhere else? What am I missing here? You're not doing it for that reason. But that sometimes is the outcome. But surrender is surrender gives you the power and freedom to do what you need to do anyway. But when you're attached to the deal, you can't do what you need to do. You're too you're too emotionally enslaved with it this is so good and and once again um you know we're talking with bill caskey today uh, on this podcast what a like this has become i think a, a little bit of a mini course uh from him on mindset and and the things that get in the way bill as we kind of wind down the episode here uh, I'd love for you to share some of the, I know you've got a mastermind. Uh, where can people go and learn more about what you do? And if they want to explore working with you closer, what's the best way to to do that? Well, I just happen to have uh, a document that we have that's called five reasons you don't have enough clients. And in it, there are a couple of the things that we talked about today and a couple of things we didn't. You can go to five reasons, clients.com. It's free. It's just first name and email address. We'll get it to you. I, I'm pretty sure there's in the second or third email that we send, there's a video where I go deeper on a couple of these. So five reasons, clients.com. You can also uh, Google me, go to billkasky.com. There's plenty of uh, ways that you can access the podcast and the YouTube videos and things like that. But I, I appreciate you having me on James. This has been, uh, it's, uh, I like the, I like your vibe and and I think you are a good interviewer because you allow the, the conversation to kind of enrich itself as you ask and so I appreciate you. Well thank you I, and I appreciate you you've been um, you know I spoke with you earlier in the week or late last week and and you helped me you know figure something out I was just truly grateful so so you're a man that that has the integrity you, you walk the talk that you have so thank you. Well thanks again Bill for for being here and um, we have to maybe think about doing this again. do i get a set of kitchen knives or something for my appearance <laughs> we'll, we'll work on something like that wow wasn't that just an awesome conversation i just love bill's energy and his passion for coaching and teaching now if you go back and listen i mean when you go back and listen again i think you're going to find that you'll have something of a mini audio course on personal brand and mindset and of course improving sales Now, if you found value in today's episode, would you do me a favor and please give it a five-star rating? If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, just scroll to the bottom of that page and hit that five-star rating to help get in front of more people. If you're listening on Spotify, click that little three-dot menu and choose Rate the Show. And again, I hope you give it a five-star. As always, I just want to thank you for showing up and being here and for tuning in. 
Uh, if you know someone who would be a great guest that's like Bill, or maybe they don't have to have a, their own podcast or have to be authors, I love just talking with people. But if you know someone who'd be a great guest, please send me an email. And I'm going to give you that right now. The email to send that to is coach at jamesmayhew.com. Now we'll catch up again on the next episode of Confidence Covered by Humility. Take care.